Welcome back to yet another week of Behind the Lens. I'm Debbie Elias, film critic, creator, and host of Behind the Lens, where we go behind the lens and below the line with the movers, the shakers, the film and TV makers, the producers, the directors, the writers, the actors, the cinematographers, production designers, costume designers, VFX magicians, sound editors, sound mixers, it's composers, you name it, we talk to all of them. And we're going to do some talking today. Very excited about today's show. First, you're going to hear an exclusive interview that I just did the other day with director Nadine Crocker, uh, talking about her new film, Desperation Road. Uh, it's a story of redemption, Southern noir thriller. It's written by Michael Ferris Smith, who adapted his novel, he wrote the screenplay adapting his own novel of the same name. The Cy Turnbull's stunning cinematography just steeps you in the Deep South, down in Mississippi, more rural area. And the performances, Garrett Hedlund, Willa Fitzgerald, Mel Gibson, and a breakout performance by a young Piper Braun that she steals the show when she's on camera. Uh, it's twists and turns, and it really, Nadine is truly, she demonstrates what a gifted storyteller she is. She has an acting background, and that really comes in handy with her interpretation of a story and bringing it to life. Uh, just outstanding. And you're going to hear my interview with Nadine in a moment. And then after that, We've got director Kyle William Roberts joining us live to talk about his new film, What Rhymes with Reason. Uh, it's an inspiring and hopeful film for families and teens tackling issues of grief, loss, depression, anxiety, teen suicide. Uh, we go on a journey with six friends who come together after a tra tragic accident. They venture into the wilderness to find a legendary and perhaps mythical landmark. Uh, along the way, each is buoyed by their friendship and faith as they face the darkness within themselves. Wonderful performances, breathtaking locations in the forest in Oklahoma. Uh, I'm very excited to speak with Kyle. And it, this is a very important film to be coming out. And it's coming out tomorrow in theaters, which is World Mental Health Day, uh, because that is one of the primary themes uh, in the film. It stems from mental health. Uh, and of course, it is faith-based on multiple levels. But so because Nadine's interview is a long one, and I'm not going to cut it short, and then we don't want to keep Kyle waiting when he calls, without any further ado, let's just jump right in uh, because Nadine and I cover everything there is to cover, right down to crayons. And you're going to understand that in just a minute. So take a listen to my exclusive interview with Nadine Crocker talking about Desperation Road. Hi, Nadine. Hi, Debbie. So nice to speak with you. So nice speaking with you, especially after seeing Desperation Road. Oh, thank you. Thanks for checking it out. <laughs> I was engrossed in this film. Oh. That's that's the the best word that I can use. I was engrossed watching this story unfold. And so much of that is due to not only Garrett Hedlund's amazing performance. He so reminded me of Christian Bale tackling a role like this. Um, me too. I say that all the time. He reminds me, he has such a, a Christian Bale vibe, like, yep. out of the furnace. Yep. That's the exact film that I was thinking of as I watched <laughs> Desperation Road. But he is amazing. But the real, what really captured me was Cy Turnbull's cinematography. The lighting and the lensing here is outstanding, Nadine. We feel that we are down in the Deep South, in the Mississippi area. Nature is embraced. You really embrace that in your visuals. And then the visual grammar with the camera movement. I love the movement. 
but also the backlighting of sunsets. I mean, that final shot of Garrett Headland with the sunset behind him, and he's blowing the the little wisps off the cattails in the air is just to die for. But the night shoots, the inkiness, just visually, and then, of course, all the fireflies, capturing the fireflies, because who doesn't love little lightning bugs and fireflies? But the visuals, you cannot turn away because they're so beautiful. I wish you could see my face right now because you'd know that I just have the biggest smile on my face. But it just means everything, you know, because um, this film was made in 16 days. So me and Sai were like, how do we execute like a year's work of preparation of all these things that are so important to us and not lose any of the beauty that we want to bring in, any of the environment, you know, just all of it. So to hear you say this is just like, it's those little moments I have like chills, you know, oh. where you're like, oh, we did it. We did it even in our time frame. <laughs> you, well, know? you know, the thing is the novel itself is dense. It's a dense novel as you're trying to envision what's happening. You bring the novel to life with your visuals, with the visual grammar. And that's so important with a story like this. But, and, but steeping us in that sensibility. And you really have to understand the mindset in those small rural areas, such as in Mississippi. And you have to be able to put us there and you do that so that we totally believe. Doors aren't locked, Russell doesn't lock the door. You know, he and Boyd, you know, they hang out. Boyd just cruises by, waves. People can just show up on your property. But, you know, it's not like anything that we're used to in the city. I was just about to say, like, people who live in Los Angeles are probably, like, sitting there like, people don't do that. It's like, yes, they do. Just, like, yeah. not in L.A. You don't even say hi to your neighbor in L.A. <laughs> yeah, well, my neighbors I don't want to say hi to, so... But this is so key to establishing the story and the believability of Mabin. Because if we don't believe her, and if Russell doesn't believe her, it fails. And you're not going to see a story like this unfold in a big city. You're, you have to have it. You, we have to believe it's set in this more rural area. And you achieve that. Well, and it's also the level you you have to feel that because it brings the level of isolation, which yeah. was what my goal was too. It's like imagine being in those in those rural rural areas and like you know being alone and having absolutely nowhere to turn, you know. And it's just like you know even the the aspect of Mississippi and like the swamps and just all of it to me sounds scary especially mm -hmm. when you don't have a roof over your head and you know and that was I mean above all else I knew that that mother-daughter relationship was going to be what grounded this film and what really like put everything into motion if you didn't believe that if you didn't feel that if you didn't empathize with them if you didn't you know defy reality and like feel for these people you know then you're probably not going on the journey you know so to hear you say this is just so exciting as a filmmaker because that's all we wanted you know and and i mean willa fitzgerald just did an unbelievable job but so did piper braun our little girl oh she, she steals your heart mind. she piper steals your heart <laughs> i cry every time i watch it first of all secondly on set like i was hiding behind my monitor just crying hysterically while we were shooting some of that footage with piper just she ripped my heart out and yes definitely stole it <laughs> i mean the motel scene as you know nighttime it's been raining maven has just been violated in the worst way possible things are not going well i'm not giving away spoilers here which is why i'm being cagey with you but you know what i'm talking about and that as the Psy captures through the motel window, little Anna Lee sitting there shrieking hysterically 
because she doesn't know what's going on. She obviously, she woke up. Her mother isn't there. She's alone in this strange motel. She has no clue. And it speaks volumes, the fact that you also did not have people that might have been in the parking lot or tr other truckers or other people in the motel. Nobody was coming running to the sound of a shrieking child coming out of this motel room, which I thought was really impactful. But the way Cy moves with the camera and takes us in as Maven's getting closer and closer, that is powerhouse. And Piper just knocked it out of the park. Oh, thank you for saying that. But I agree with you 100%. And that was one of the things, too, is like, you know, I, I really tried to get people were like, wouldn't people come running? I was like, not in those hotels or motels. Like, that's not how it works. I mean, we were literally shooting in a motel that was much like what we were trying to portray. And it's like, you know, there's kids outside playing by themselves and like doing things and you don't see their parents for hours. It's just like, you know, I wanted you to feel that environment and understand it just through little things like what you're mentioning, you know? So I'm so glad that, that you felt that, you, you know, you noticed that and, um, yeah, I mean, I, that, I literally have, cannot watch that scene without crying. Yeah, that is a tough, tough scene. That's even tougher than Mabin and the police officer. I think so, too. But, yeah. but I also, I mean, I think I'm biased because I'm also a mother. So anything with children, it's like, you know, I think that instinct in me is like I'd go through a thousand times of what Maven went through before I'd ever want harm on my child, right? Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this self-sacrifice that, like, women kind of expect. It's like, yeah, she goes through that, but what we need to know is that she gets home to her little girl, you know? It's almost like we're like, okay, but now get up and go, you know? And it's like, but the truth is, is yeah, she goes through something really horrendous too and and even how I portrayed that was very like I wanted to be very specific I didn't want to shy away because a lot of us women have that experience in our past and I am one of them and so I didn't want to shy away but I also did not want to traumatize people while watching like right. I wanted it to feel more like disassociation and I wanted it to I wanted it to hit but not make you know not make people too uncomfortable with that but I definitely didn't want to shy away you know so it was like and what a, I, I just I like to start with a with a strong opening and I definitely think Desperation Rose like you know what you're getting into <laughs> you know what you're getting into and one of the things that really makes that scene work Nadine and it's very number one tastefully done not vulgar and here again it's a testament to size camera work and the lighting, because, you know, as crazy as this is going to sound to some people, I think you'll you'll understand this. It's like because of the red and blue police lights that are happening and because of the rain and the way he's shooting, we're getting some beautiful bouquet in the background and out of the windows that kind of softens and tempers and gives us that metaphoric idea that, it's like a haze. Maven is in a haze right now with what's happening. And you have it cut so well in the editing process that we can put ourselves in the moment with her. Oh, man, that's just so amazing to hear because that's exactly what I was going for. Even down to, like, my, you know, my shot list and my, like, even in the script, I put, like, lighting and sodium light and this and that and trying to like create the eerie feeling like you know but but truthfully it's like then you have to have all these things you imagine and you put it in the hands of your cinematographer and Sai and I just have an unbelievable relationship and connection and you know he really just does have a way of like we just have a, a, a like a unspoken language you know and and he just gets what I'm trying to do and create and also the same as with my editor you know I'm glad that you brought to a, the attention of how that scene is cut together because you know I try and describe to like my editor like the the craziness that I see within my mind and it's like you know I want it flashing so so fast that it's like a you know a haze but it's also a flood of information and it's also you know, and, and then they make it reality, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I always say as filmmakers, we are only as strong as our collaborators. And like, yeah. I had unbelievable collaborators on this film, which is why it was possible to do it in the record time that we did, you know? I mean, just having seen the film, 16 day shoot, 
to me is just like <laughs> mind-boggling, <laughs> mind-boggling, Nadine. But something else that here again, this collaboration of Sai and Jing, your your editor, the montages that you have, the mo you have multiple montages in here, and I love montages, especially when they're purposeful. They eliminate the need for exposition in terms of unnecessary dialogue because montages, they visually engage you, whereas some people might not be paying attention to the minutia of exposition dialogue. They're beautifully shot, beautifully cut, but then what you do, you have voiceover, and then you bring us out of that voiceover and the montage into whoever it is actually speaking, be it Mabin, be it Russell. And that, I thought, was so creative. And it just fascinated me that you did that. Oh, thank you for it. Like, oh, man, you ha you noticed so many amazing things, and I love that. You know, because sometimes you wonder if people will even notice these cool prelapses that, like, me and Jing tried to work on. And, like, you know, where I try and make sure one of the things that's really hard as a filmmaker is you become so attached to all of this beautiful footage that you capture. But the truth is, is, like, more beauty doesn't always equal better film like choosing the correct imagery choosing the correct moment knowing that the flow is there and and keeping them enticed through visuals and voiceover and then coming into a scene it's just like a way of kind of preparing them for where they're going and you know so I'm, I'm so glad that you noticed that because I love that and it's one of the like me and Jing always try and establish new styles she was also my editor on my first film continue which is going to come out later this year and so we just always try and establish a style from the get-go of how we want this one to feel a little different than the other and what we want to feel and so like on this one I just was really drawn to layering images and you know prelapsing dialogue to bring us into the scenes and so me and her would be like okay let's just keep an eye out and watch now one time through to see where else we can do that and like other ways that we can establish that style and also cut down on time and just like feel like we're streamlining but adding art you know yeah. so thank you for noticing that because I, I do I, I love that about this film is you know it's like you'll hear this voiceover and you think you're not going to see it and then you come into those beautiful moments and it's, it's something that I love about yeah. the style and, and you know that Jing was able to bring to this project and her editing is just unbelievable but I mean honestly down to like even my composer Haim and like the way that he oh. amplified what I maybe you know wish I would have had more footage to add the thrill here or the there or the this you know because in 16 days you're of course going to have scenes that you're like oh I wish I had that and just because of the collaboration of my entire team from Sai on set with Jing and her editing and Haim and his music and his elevation it was just like Again, we are as strong as our collaborators, and this was like really a joint effort and what I like to say a labor of love because we just all cared so immensely, you know, about getting people on the ride. And, and I, you know, it's a, it's a fun ride and an action packed, but to me, it's a beautiful drama. Like, it has yeah. so much heart. That's what, you know, what really excites me about this story is, you know, I wanted every character to grip you, and I wanted you to care about every character, even if you know, one person's supposed to be like the so like the so called bad guy or whatever it is, like I think it's I think you should care about every person that you meet on the journey. Well and that's what's that's what's so key here. As beautiful as the film is, you never sacrifice story and character. And uh, granted, you use the beauty and you just said something very key that every character is important. Every character deserves attention. Even drunk Larry there's some beautiful shots with sun flares that kind of soften up. Number one, it, it yeah, he's looking at everything in a haze, so maybe we're seeing his haze. But it also adds this element of humanity as he's calling out for his son in a drunken fit. Little touches like that, but so we even see a different we see a different side of Larry. But we focus on Russell. We focus on Mabin and Mitchell. I got to tell you, Mel Gibson fills the bill so perfectly here as Mitchell. And watching the dynamic between he and Garrett, 
you truly get that father-son kind of dynamic. It comes through I, loud and clear. I was just going to say, like, by the end of it, like, I really was like, I feel like they could be, like, father and son. Like, I feel, you felt it in everything. Yep. Like, even Even the way that they started to be on set. Even the way that, like, you know, Mel is such a caring human being. Like, I will say that, you know, but it's like, I felt the exact same way. Like, you started to watch even the dynamic between them on set start to morph to this, like, beautiful father-son relationship because they just had this undeniable chemistry together. Well, and But Mel, I mean, he just blew me away on this film. Watching them in the montage scene with the two of them sitting on the front porch... And they're even sitting and almost mirroring. They almost have the same movements as they're sitting in the chairs on the porch and laughing and they, their heads go back at the same time. It's just a joy watching the two of them. It tr that truly just amazed me. I know how great Mel is. We all know how great Mel is. But to see him in these character pieces that he's been doing a lot the past few years is just phenomenal. And watching this pairing, uh, just amazing. Amazing, Nadine. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. I mean, honestly, I just, that's why when, you know, Mel was first suggested to us, I was like, are you kidding? He's played, like, one of my favorite fathers in, like, <laughs> so many movies. I mean, like, you think of, like, Signs, you think of The Patriot, you think of just, like, he's just, he's such a talented, dramatic actor, and one yeah. of the things I've been wanting to see is him have that rooted, like, grounded performance and, and see him with drama, and, and the thing that I love the most is, like, how often do you see Mel Gibson, like, apologize for shooting somebody, you know? Yeah. Like, those, <laughs> those are some of my favorite moments, because it's just, like, it's so beautiful to watch him transform to this to Mitchell and like yeah. he just believed it he's like he's even got like dad jokes and some of them you know it's just like it's Mel you can't help but love his performance here and yeah and Willa Willa really is just outstanding outstanding as the vulnerability the insecurity and you really she really uses a lot of body language to inform Maven Oh, she absolutely does. I mean, honestly, even down to, like, she's just one of those people, too, like, as an, like, I started in acting, you know, and, like, you always see those people who can, like, jump in and out of things, like, mm -hmm. so beautifully, and she really does. It's, like, the second she can be talking to you as Willa, but the second she sits there, she, like, grounds and she, like, embodies it, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, hello, Maven, like, here you are, <laughs> you know, she's just so immensely talented, but, you know, it's also a testament to her, too, like, I, this is something I, I want to mention, is, like, she's also so smart and committed to her craft, and, like, every moment that her and Piper weren't on screen together, they were spending time together, you know, it's like, Willa really took that relationship serious, too, and I believe that that is why they thrive so well together on mm -hmm. on camera like you know they're they're going bowling together they're watching movies in in willa's room and like you know like playing with the dogs they were going on dog walks and you're just like and i would just be sitting there working behind a computer for a thousand hours and see them walk past and just like have the biggest smile on my face because it's like those are the artists that i'm getting to work with the people who don't it doesn't just stop when the camera's off. Like, they're always embodying that and, and deepening their relationships. And, you know, it's just so cool to see artists take their craft so seriously. Now, because you did start out acting, do you find that that has helped you as a director in anticipating the needs of talent, working with talent? Do you consider yourself an actor's director? I absolutely do, and I do believe that all of those years of acting, like, showed me a lot of times what bad direction can be like, <laughs> what good direction, when people are not looking at all about what you're doing and the nuances you're bringing, but really just looking at, like, hey, can you tilt your head down, and can you do, you know, like, I believe very much in experimenting and, like, letting their creativity thrive and being there to whisper and lead it different directions, but, like, I don't believe in, in stifling or, you know, micromanaging and taking the mm -hmm. magic out of what we all create together, you know? So I absolutely do 
pride myself on being an actor's director and and I only want to deepen that and work you know more and more deeply with my actors it's like you know it's a, it's a funny balance because I come from acting it's like you know when I first get a script you know I always I, there's not a script I've been a part of that I haven't done like rewrites or gotten very involved in the writing process and have a lot of notes and all of those things because it's very important to me, relationships and story. Like, I'm that person who watches a movie in the first 10 minutes that can tell you what's going to happen. So I refuse to let that happen in my movies. So mm-hmm. I'm very, very, like, involved in the script process, and I believe that's where some of our, our deepest work goes. But I really do that so that once that's done, we can explore. And I just come up with so much backstory for these characters and like you don't know if the actors are going to gobble that up or if they're like no 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 I've already created my own you know so it's just like it's a beautiful process of seeing you know what translates and and luckily with like Desperation Round I don't say luckily it's 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 based on them and intuition and gut and, and but they all just really took the backstory I gave them and like these characters and this like input I had and just like went with it and flew and it's so incredible watching what you know unbelievable artists do with you know a little bit of information that you give them with a little bit of magic like they they manifest it in such a inspiring exciting way you know it's like I watched Garrett become someone else like we've become such close friends once he attached to the film and I watched him morph during the weeks of prep and and become Russell and it was like so inspiring just amazing but I and I know that that they're going to pull you away from me in a minute here but I've got to ask you Nadine I don't know if you directed this one before continue or continue before this one but still this is still either your first or second feature directorial so as you bring all your your wealth of experience as an actor into to the table here what would you say was the most important thing you learned now as a director that you can implement in future films going forward I mean I learned so many lessons on this you know and I think each time I'm realizing the more and more of like how important your vision is and it is to fight for your vision you know because and also preparation you know it's like you don't know there's never going to be enough time or money or anything in filmmaking you know but (laughs) as long as you can be really grounded in what is important for each character for the story for all of it you know as long as you go into it with that information and you never let that get lost you know, you can still explore and find and discover new things. You know, it's like I had thousands of paperwork, like, of in my binders of preparation. <laughs> but the best magic happens when you throw that out. You know, like, of course, it's there. And you just go on this journey and you discover with your actors and you're watching them. And, you know, but it comes down to every member. Like, I don't want to just make this about you know, my actors, because it is a huge part about my actors, but it's also your crew. It's like, we were all exhausted. We were, you know, doing everything humanly possible to create magic out there in the short period of time we had. And we all stayed so focused on that goal. And so I guess like the thing I'll bring with me to each thing is like knowing that the people you choose are everything and they're and they're the family you choose you know it's like it really is it's like you only get this little window of time together as a family and you're all choosing to be there you all want to be there with each other and you will never really get that uninterrupted uninterrupted time like this ever again so it's just like being in the moment trusting your collaborators exploring and um you know, and fighting for your vision. I do, you know, it's, it's like a fine line, especially as a female, you know, in this industry of like, you know, feeling like you can fight for your vision and like not be called difficult or things like that, you know? And it's like that, it is my job to fight for those things because everything you're naming right now, like those were all the things like were, that were so important to me and to us. And it shows. It, it, you just named them all, which is why I had chills and was getting emotional. It's like, it shows. People feel it. They see it, you know? And so it's like, that's the magic we have to fight for and have to be brave enough to fight for, you know? Despite maybe being called 
like you know not that i was called to school but like you know that's always a woman yeah. I, I don't know i don't, can't speak for all women but it's it's a fear like that you want to be able to fight but you don't you know want people to think that you're always fighting you know does that make sense it makes <laughs> it makes perfect sense nadine and i'm glad that you fought for every little thing that you wanted with Desperation Road because it is all up there on the screen and it is all part of the story. There is nothing superfluous. There is nothing extraneous. Every little touch, right down to the smallest little lightning bug, adds to this story, the ambiance, the setting, the tone, everything. Even the, even the crayons that Anna Lee uh, is coloring with, uh, you know. Okay, so just so you know, you're naming like literally everything. Like Debbie, you're my person because <laughs> um, those crowns were like one of the biggest things when I first got involved with this film that were really important to me, and I brought them in. And there's so many like men who watch who are like, yeah, but like, don't you think it'd be more impactful? Like, screw the crowns, just cut that out of the shelter. Like, get her throwing the ball and doing it. I was like. And what people don't know is I actually wrote and had the moment in before previously, and I didn't end up keeping that because I felt like it, you didn't lose the crown moment, but she picks them up at a diner. It wasn't even an item she possessed. It, they were free crowns at a diner. And what I was trying to show the world is something that means nothing to a lot of us who sit down at a diner, our kids snap the crowns, they do all of that. It mean everything to a little girl who has nothing. That's right. And so those crowns were like everything to me, and they were so important. And I had to fight so many times for those. And you know what I find is every woman who watches this film, who and mothers, you know, who I have gotten to talk to about the project, all notice the crowns, and it's just so validating to me because I'm like that was so important to me, and it's such a silly thing. To be so important but it was it was so important to me very and in the one shot the most prominent crayon is the blue blue is calming blue makes you think of the sky blue makes you think of the sea and i love that Sai captured that with blue being the most prominent crayon uh in maven's hand when she was squirreling them away to give to annalee later I mean, just little things like that. And I don't know if Cy did that intentionally or you did that intentionally or if it was just the cinema gods. But I think it's a mixture of all. We chose the <laughs> colors that would like be there. We're like, grab the main colors because those are what you're going to be bringing. But like, you never know what the actor is going to like perk, pick up and right. position or like what is going, you know? So it was just like, yeah, so that's why every day, like, I'm I'm very spiritual regardless. I kind of, like, pray whenever I'm nervous, but I every day I start it with, like, please, cinema gods, movie gods, thank you for getting us here, but give us some magic, you know? You know, get us through another day. Let there be plenty of craft Literally. services. So, oh, Nadine, this is such a well-done film. It is cinematic. It's beautiful. I love it. You know how to tell story with visuals and with performance and i can't wait to see continue and whatever you do after that i just cannot wait thank you so much honestly that means the world to me i can't wait for you to as well and <laughs> you and i need to talk every film that comes out because you have just been like you're so insightful and you are you notice so many things and it's so exciting as a filmmaker because like you know, you hope that those little things matter. And it's like you're living proof just through this conversation that, like, they do. People notice them. You know, they're important. And, you know, so thank you so much for this opportunity to talk to you. Oh, so God, my pleasure. And I hope we get to talk for continue. Oh, heck yes, we will. Oh. I'll make sure of it. <laughs> Nadine, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And hopefully it's going to be sooner rather than later when we chat again. Yes, I would love that. Uh, you have a wonderful rest of your day now. You too, and thank you again. You're welcome. Bye-bye. And that was Nadine Crocker talking about Desperation Road. That just released on Friday, this past Friday. So it is out now. I know it's on VOD. 
I think it's on digital as well. Um, really, really well done film. And as a bonus, if you haven't read Michael Ferris Smith's book, get the book and read it as well. It's a great companion with the film and the fact that he wrote the book and the screenplay. You The detail really comes through, which Nadine then really picks up on with the visual grammar, the visual tonal bandwidth, and, of course, the incredible performances. So now we're going from redemption to... We're going to talk about something with hope and inspiration now with Kyle William Roberts. Hi, Kyle. Hi, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you doing? I am hanging in there. This is my eighth uh, <laughs> interview today. I'm oh, excited about it. only eight? That's it? Yes, only eight. That's all Tim did to you. Okay. <laughs> well, well, Absolutely. well. Well, we got a bone to pick with Tim because he, he doesn't know his time zones. But <laughs> it's, yes. it's all worked out. What rhymes with reason? The, I did not know what to expect with this film, Kyle. I am yes. more than impressed with it. It is beyond enjoyable. And there are so many great undercurrents here that you're not throwing in people's faces. They just come naturally within the story and within the characters that you are developing. Thank you. It's an important film. It is releasing tomorrow in theaters for World Mental Health Day. And what I really find interesting is teen suicide, teen anxiety, depression, grief, dealing with loss. You really dive into that here um, because as statistics have shown and as you point out, with your title cards in the film, one in 10 teens in the U.S. is clinically depressed, and every 78 seconds a teen attempts suicide. Um, yeah, absolutely. Shocking statistics. Uh, but what I love with this film, what rhymes with reason, is so many films that address similar issues, they go, they dive into the darkness. They make yeah. the film really, really dark and traumatic. You avoid that here. You and your screenwriter, Sean Thiessen. Sean uh, Thiessen. Talk to me about the development of this, because I know what rhymes with reason. This was in development for a number of years as you yeah. guys were working on the script. Yeah, we, um, we worked on the script for five years. And it's something we really wanted to make sure we got right. Um, I, was, I was a Young Life leader for eight years, and... We were, we were just like you were talking about. We were seeing a massive rise in anxiety, depression. Some of their friends taking their life and walking through that with them was heartbreaking and eye and eye opening too. Um, and so we knew um, when the shows like Thirteen Reasons Why came out, um, which the thing I appreciate with that show and some other shows that are darker, like you said, um, is that when you see other youth suffering on screen, it makes them feel. Uh, heard and not alone so mm -hmm. I appreciate that part of it but one thing that the, that show does not have is hope right. and that's something we really wanted to make sure we tackle there's got to be a better way to talk about this stuff but also provide hope um, and that is that we are better together as friends and to check in on your friends and make sure to talk to have, have conversations together and that's one of the great things that you do within the structure of the film um, because it opens up. We meet each of the individuals. We see the core friendships immediately. Uh, we see the, the sibling rivalry <laughs> between yes. two sets of siblings. <laughs> yeah, and that's very close to, to my heart, by the way, too. Uh, and another big why for this film, for me, is my sister was diagnosed uh, BPD, bipolar, um, but wasn't until we were in our 30s. Wow. Um, so that was so telling, obviously, not only for her, and personally, but for our family and all of our friends. And, you know, grow, growing up, um, I had to kind of walk around eggshells, mm -hmm. you know, around her because I didn't know, you know, what, what she's going to blow up or not or whatever. And so I think um, I already forgiven her, but I think that helped us heal, you know, together to get that diagnosis. And now sure. she's on medication. She's so much more level. And that was so telling for me that um, this was something that was a chemical imbalance in her brain. And it was nothing that she did wrong. 
uh, I think that really helped us as a family yeah. to realize that. And, yeah, that's one of the great things because we meet all, we meet our primary, our teens, our core teen group. Uh, we see them engaging. We see them interacting. Right off the bat, you see one jumping in to help another one uh, who yeah. has gotten himself into a volatile situation, uh, who, who deals with the character of Zach, who is very angry, yeah. very angry, and he thinks mm. that this is... He got this. It's genetic. He got it from his father. Mm. Um, so he's angry. You've got, you know, Jess, who his life is planned out for him. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. Um, yeah. You've got Rena, who is Zach's sister. Um, she Her passion is music. But she's, you yeah. know, Eli, the son of ministers. Um, parents have a megachurch. And, of course, Jess's sister, Savannah, um, the brother-sister dynamic there is incredible. It's yeah, incredible. It's so authentic. Um, and, of course, Billy, Jess and Savannah's cousin, Billy, who is, he is really, I think, the glue in this group. Yeah. He is the glue. It's his good humor, his good nature, his mm. positivity. Uh, that really, I I think, is the glue that helps hold the group together. And when Trent, yeah, thank and, you. You know, and when Trent, that, I think a lot of people might say Billy at first and like, oh, this kid's a douchebag, <laughs> but he's literally there for everybody. Yes, and, you know, so many different themes in the film and encouraging them. And what's so interesting, and this is kudos to Ricardo Hurtado who plays Billy, is mm. he can turn on a dime and knows how to interact with each one of his friends on a one-on-one -on -one. when you watch him he deals with zach in one manner he has a different yeah. tone when he deals with jess he has yeah. another tone when he deals with eli it's really interesting he the character is very intuitive and he does know yeah. his friends and i really appreciated seeing that in in ricardo's performance as billy Absolutely. And Ricardo, so we, we did, you know, several test audience stuff whenever you're releasing a film and all that kind of stuff. He he always scored like a nine point eight or nine point nine out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can see why. Everybody. That was the average. Uh, but but it it shows, yes, I mean I'm proud of us and we took a long time to write this film and, and you carefully unfold these things throughout and it's hard with a six ensemble, you know, yeah. piece. Uh, but but it also shows, like you said, it shows Ricardo's understanding of the character yep. and his um just his ability as an actor mm -hmm. uh to kind of more some of the some of the things he says and does were not scripted you know it just worked um and it was so beautiful he's such a good actor and we're really thankful to have him um in this film and he's so enthusiastic and his facial expressiveness <laughs> is fantastic it's he's smiling yeah. in in i'd say 90 percent of the film and just seeing him on screen makes you feel good. And I think that's very, very key with the themes and the issues you're dealing with here. But yes. also, so people don't think this is a preachy film or anything like that. This is set, there is a tragedy that happens. And the group then, they go, Jess's dad wanted to take him on a graduation trip, but do it early to see an asteroid show. Meteors, yeah. an asteroid shower. Meteor shower, yeah. And Jess was like, eh, you know, not really into it. But then it became very, very important that he do this. And yeah. it's very Goonies-like. You know, Goonies <laughs> yeah. forever. And Lots of vibes for, from Goonies for sure, even in our score. You know, oh, absolutely. Places, a bunch of things. <laughs> a lot of things from Nicholas Th that Nicholas Thompson put into the score. But... Yeah. So they set out on this adventure, the same one that Jess's dad wanted to take him on to watch the meteor shower. And it's based on a legend of some guy named Worthington. And people, is, is it real? Is it not real? So there's a lot of disbelief and it's taking a leap of faith to even embark on this, uh, this journey. With a compass, and then you've got to find clues. Absolutely. So, Debbie, this interview is awesome because <laughs> most people don't haven't seen the movie or they 
they do, but you are, you are so on the nose with everything. It's awesome. I will not talk to anybody if I haven't seen the, the movie. <laughs> Man, I love it. That's, uh, that's... So I, I, I want to ask you a question. Sure. Um, what do you think what rhymes with reason means to you? Uh, what rhymes with, the, with reason? To everything there is a season. Yeah. That's the first, when I, heard, when I first heard the title of this film, weeks ago. That's the first thing I thought of was the Bible and to everything there is a season. Yeah. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. And yeah. that was the first thing that came to my mind. And this is, that's what we see play out in this film. As, and it's told as an adventure story. Yeah. And I have to point out to you. When all the friends are over at Jess's house, boxing things up in, in the den, and don't think I didn't notice you had a Nancy Drew book in one of those boxes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, that yellow spine with the little picture of the Tyson-haired Nancy Drew is unmistakable to na lifelong yeah. Nancy Drew fans. So We have a lot of Easter eggs uh, for other adventure stories and 80s. You know, references, and really all that is for this watchability together for youth and their yes. parents or grandparents. They can watch about this stuff. They can watch this film and be like, who the heck is Molly Ringwald? Yeah. <laughs> or who is John Cusack? I, and they can talk about this together and like, well, let me show you this movie or let me do this. You have so, so it's really many. really all built, carefully crafted, so we can encourage these conversations together. There's so much tongue-in-cheek dialogue. And most of it does come from Billy uh, about yeah. movie, the movie references, uh, because he is Mr. Social Media, as Jess yeah. points out at one point in the film. You have more than a million followers. That's more than everyone in the school put together. Uh, yes. So, you know, so it makes sense that he would be the one with all the, the pop culture references, the movie references. And, you know, it just you get this great balance here in how this is structured. Kyle there's a great mm. balance in the storytelling and so much of that also comes from your visuals and what you and and your cinematographer Andrew Smith have done number one your location in the the forest in the wooded areas in Oklahoma yeah that is I could just watch that with no dialogue no no kids no <laughs> nothing it is so yeah, a, a lot of people beautiful. don't realize, you know, they think of Oklahoma as the prairie lands yeah. and, you know, flatlands. But we have a lot of really pretty areas. Um, this film was an 18-day shoot, 16 lo different locations. <sighs> so we were moving <laughs> all over Oklahoma uh, to tackle this and make sure we got every shot that we needed. Now, where in Oklahoma did you shoot this? Because you do have a cabin location. You have a uh -huh. stone fortress location that is beyond cool. Um, yeah, the castle. That we're yeah. Talking about. Uh, I mean, your locations are just so standout. And they fit the story perfectly mm. with the whole, the clues as yeah. they're coming up. And then punctuating in between the clues being discovered. You give us some beautiful montages. The kids yeah. having fun <laughs> in the pond and they're swinging. I mean, it's like Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Every so again, back to eighties movies. They're all about the montages, right? Yep. <laughs> so again, it's kind of kind of giving some homages to those montages. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, so we we filmed. It's, it's a place called Robbers Cave that we shot at. It's a place called uh, Wichita Mountains. Uh, which is one of the largest kind of foothill mountains that we have here in Oklahoma. Uh, that's where Mount Scott is in our movie. Uh, Snake Junction is where the uh, abandoned church is. That was hard to find. Uh, it's Red Rock Canyon. We filmed all over. The wow. State. <laughs> uh, again, 16 different locations in 18 days. So it was, it was a cram-packed um, time. Um, and, and as an independent film, like we, you don't have you know all the time in the world yeah. to do this. Uh, so to really rely on our crew and our actors um, to nail it. You know, a lot of times we'd have, you know, three or four takes and let's keep moving. How long were you location scouting for these locations? Because they are so yeah. perfect for this story and our pit stops along the way in this adventure. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and that's something we've done kind of throughout the whole process, you know. So 
we knew we we love that castle location you're talking about this, these abandoned castle ruins uh and so that's been a part of every version of the script <laughs> mm-hmm. from day one because it's, it's about an hour from oklahoma city where uh, you know, our base camp is and our studio is and so really finding these places and we were kind of uh crafting this story in these locations as we found them and okay. as we were scouting them versus like okay here's the story make it work you know it's writing to what we know and what we've experienced and we know we're great locations now a big thing that when you're dealing with this many locations and something like the fortress uh or yeah. that church which is just absolutely charming um yeah what what did you run into permitting issues to gain access to these facilities or could you just go hauling in there and obviously when you're going in there um there's no electricity in there there's no running <laughs> water in there you've got to bring in generators and the lighting generators and, and the yeah. whole nine yards talk to me about this logistic process starting with permitting was that ever an issue yeah, so one of the questions we get, you know, what is the hardest part of making this movie? <laughs> uh, That's but one of them. I would say it's all of the locations in a short amount of time, and that was the yeah. hardest part. So we're, we're making this adventure film in the wilderness. Uh, so we have to go, you know, to the wilderness. A lot of the time it's a very grounded in reality uh, movie. We're not doing, you know, Mandalorian-style volume wall shooting with just having right. this beautiful scenery behind them. We wanted to go there and experience it. Uh, so I don't think we had really any problem permitting. I didn't do that part of it, but I know we got, you know, we got all those things. One thing was kind of wild, uh, Mount Scott, where we shot that at, mm-hmm. uh, which is Mount Zion in the movie. Uh, <laughs> the day we got there, we only had like 40 minutes to shoot this before the sun came up. Wow. Uh, and you know the part I'm talking about. <laughs> I know the exactly really, the part you're talking about. Yeah. It's a very, you know, important scene, climactic scene in the movie. Yeah. Uh, and we got to the bottom of the mountain and we didn't they didn't tell us give us any warning of this there was like a 5k run with uh people and like their dogs it was like a pet 5k run oh no and so there was 500 600 people trying to you know just on this one road up the mountain uh, swirling up a mountain while we were trying to navigate and get around them and get up to the top so we could film this shot (laughs) So that was one part we didn't know and had you know trouble just even getting up there <laughs> so we could do it. But for the most part, I mean, we really carefully crafted and scouted to where, you know, we could be uh, just a couple minute walk from a road. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of stuff during the day, we, we rewrote most of it during the day. So we're not, you know, bringing generators and lights and whatever right. everywhere we go to even have motiva- motivated moonlight, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that we can be minimal and we're just bouncing light uh, for the mo- most of our adventure stuff. Uh, I know on the bonfire scene, which is like an eight-minute scene in the movie, yeah, and a really powerful scene, uh, that was actually right just right outside our uh, base camp in our studio. So there's a little circle of trees, and we're like, we're, we're going to film this here because we could do this all right here, and you could control you know, it better. One light motivated light source, really high in the sky, yeah, uh, and then really just have. Um, the the bonfire which we did as a uh it was like a turn you know knob kind of uh mm-hmm. what's the word i'm looking for a gas <laughs> like a, a gas electric, but propane so we can yeah propane yeah there you go uh so so we can control it uh because otherwise you know you're just getting black dust everywhere yeah. so, and smoke and you having a, a hugely different uh amount of flame so with the propane, we had the same level, you know, for eight hours while we were filming that, uh, and it was it was beautiful. Well, beautiful is what your cinematographer, what Andrew Smith has done, and and yeah. and your camera operators in going through the woods. I mean, all this entire adventure and going through the lensing is beautiful. Some of the sun flares that he has captured are just stunning. And, of course, given the, the whole premise of faith that's happening, you know, it's very metaphoric as well. You know, a light from God, light from above. Um, yeah. So I love those little touches. But you keep, you really embed us, immerse us in the beauty of nature. And mm. being out in nature always makes people feel better. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And some of that, um, I, I don't know all these details, but I know we use Atlas Orion Prime lenses. Mm-hmm. And it's something that actually gives you this kind of vintage look yeah. to the lens. So it kind of has this Goonies-ish you know, kind of look. Uh, and in some ways, uh, it's kind of um, dirty on the edges, which is what we wanted to. It almost gives us this angst. <laughs> yeah, it gives it. you a uh, fall off on the edges. Very, very um, you know, as a coming of age story of identity and purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, really helps us do so there's all those like little nerdy things together but they all add up to one you know one beautiful story and it's it's the visual tonal bandwidth is beautiful and it really matches it matches well with the emotional tonal bandwidth i'm curious Mm -hmm. because you're out in the in the woods and on these all on these locations was andrew setting were you guys doing dolly shots were you doing handheld shoulder rigs uh, because yeah. I'm just thinking of, you know, what a mess it is trying to get over, you know, sticks and up hills and rocks. And yeah. you can't take dollies up there. Some poor guys right. got to be schlepping <laughs> the camera. So people that don't know Andrew Smith, he's a tall glass of water. He's like almost seven foot. So we don't we don't need a crane uh, <laughs> when we have Andrew Smith. That works. Uh, but, yeah, he's also um, a steady cam operator on a lot of big feature films. Um, so a lot of this was Steadicam op. Uh, some were handheld, and it depended on the scene and you know what we wanted to convey and what we wanted to to, to whether it's a little bit more uneasy of a scene, then we would do a handheld or action packed. We, we a lot of times we do a handheld. Um, otherwise, uh, we would do um, Steadicam for a lot of it when we're when we're in the wilderness. And then that bonfire scene was a was a wonder uh, for three minutes of uh it was a dolly track um just going around everybody like we're really there and in person with jesse as he's sharing all these really deep and dark feelings yeah that that campfire scene that bonfire scene was really we really at that moment now granted at that point we're about 50 minutes into the film yeah but we really um find out who these kids are deep down yeah um, it's really what I like to call it's a come to Jesus moment where <laughs> yeah. you're bearing your soul at that moment. Yeah. And we learn about Rena and her passion for music and we learn about Zach and and his dad and, you know, and Savannah. For the first time, we learn about mm. what Savannah, which explains a lot of the dynamic that she has with her brother. Yeah. And, you know, it's re- and of course, and Eli's fears, because everybody just supposes he's going to follow in his parents' footsteps. He's going to take over a megachurch. Yeah. Now, granted, yeah, Eli, Eli is the kid. Eli is the kid that I want on any adventure I go on. He is a he boy. Is. He is a Boy Scout. He is obviously at this point an Eagle Scout and he packs and prepares so Eli <laughs> got is that magical bag <laughs> of everything. He is the guy that I want with me if I'm going on a wilderness adventure. Um, yeah. Right down to ace bandages and everything. Vegan food, <laughs> extra water, ace bandages. You know, e- got you covered. Eli is the man. He is <laughs> the man. Let me tell you. Uh, Absolutely. He, now, you know, what was the editing problem? Were you editing as you went with this? Because you were making script adjustments and all as you were filming uh, to accommodate these locations and things like that. But I'm curious, um, what was the editing process like on this one? Yeah, we really didn't have time to do dailies. Um, okay. They were working on some stuff a little bit, but we were we were so uh, – we did five-day weeks, which is good, and two days off. Instead of just really, you know, working everybody, you know, like crazy – uh, but we didn't really have a lot of time to do that, and I was the editor for the film. And at, at heart, I'm I'm kind of an editor director, so mm-hmm. I know you know when we're filming something, when we have what we need, because I'm kind okay. of cutting it together in my head. Um, and so that's and Andrew and I have such a short form together in our first AD, Michael Caradonna. So when we've done this is only my second feature, but we've done so much commercial work that when we get out there, we can quickly move on a dime. Um, and that's how we were really able to make our days uh, and stay within uh, budget as well, too. Yeah, it's it's always helpful when you come out of an editing world and you direct. Yes. 
because then it does. It's, it's And this is one of the great things about Tyler Perry and his mm-hmm. work, because Tyler, you know, he edits in his head as he's going. So he knows where he doesn't need a coverage shot, how he can cut down here. I mean, this is yep. how he built his brand uh, yeah. is because of that skill. And I'm seeing a few more filmmakers are now, you know, using that learning and growing with that kind of uh, mentality and approach to filmmaking. And when you're dealing with a low budget, no budget, micro budget, like you are, it sure yeah. helps. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 it's essential um, to, to have that kind of mindset from just one or two people that can make quick decisions, but also that short form with your crew, your family, you know, that you've made stuff with forever. Um, because we know, we, I know exactly what Andrew's thinking. He knows what I'm thinking in Michael Caradonna. And, uh, we know if something's not quite going right, how do we pivot and how do we still make our day? Um, and, and a lot of times actually make it better, give us room to be creative. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the ways that you're also very creative here, and we touched on it briefly, um, your composer, Nicholas Thompson, the score. Mm, yeah. And then of course you punctuate it with needle drops, saving one of the best for last, for the prom anthem, shall we say, which kind of summarizes the journey of our six kids as well. Let my love open the door. Um, absolutely, absolutely. Todd, what were you looking for musically? Because music is yeah, so, so we, important. Part of our process, actually, we're talking about the script process and editing process and everything else. Sean and I's process, our writer is we actually, when we're writing this thing, we have we have a giant Spotify playlist of like 200 tracks that's, that's motivating <laughs> us and encouraging us, you know, throughout this process. And we had, we had a whole bunch of 80s songs because it ends, you know, with the 80s-themed prom. Yes, indeed. Uh, and so we really wanted to get an 80s song, but we wanted something with heart to it. Uh, and when we approached, actually, Spirit and Pete Thompson's team uh, with this, we, we told them, you know, as a film, uh, coming-of-age film about identity and purpose and mental health, when we get to this line, this one line in the song that says, when tragedy befalls you, mm-hmm. don't let it get you down. It's going to hit people in the audience different, and, and possibly they never even heard that long line before. Because that song is so fun, it's so poppy, yeah. pop rock song, uh, and in so many rom-coms. And it's, it's a great song, but I think people miss that line. Mm-hmm. And so when we, I don't want to ruin it, but when we get to that part in the in the scene, uh, I think it, it we totally captured that moment and hit it hit that line differently than um, people maybe never even have heard before. Well, I think the other thing too is because we're focused on the song and that moment, and you can actually understand the lyrics. Yeah. Which with so many musical arrangements, you miss the lyrics. Right. Um, and you and everybody comes up with their own weird interpretation of what they think they heard. As we could name, <laughs> yeah. a, we could name a two hundred a two hundred song list <laughs> of that of those situations. But I, I yeah. do agree with you. I think that's really important, and it really does come through. But just the entire the whole chorus really speaks yeah. to uh, you know what we have heard all six of these kids talk about. Yes. Absolutely. Through the entire film. Now, I do have to compliment you and your costume designer on your 80s prom night. Those yes. dress, the dresses. Um, I wasn't in high school in the 80s, but I did have some dresses that looked just like that. Um, so <laughs> you nailed the era perfectly. Thank you. Yeah, that, they had a field day with that. It was so fun. Uh, and that was probably my favorite day on set. Because it was just, it was magical. Like every everything worked. Like everything, it, 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 they spent four days even on the production design of it, with all the mylar and you know, <laughs> and everything else. But yeah, Valerie uh, is was is our was our wardrobe uh, head of wardrobe, and she she really spent a lot of time and attention of um, securing uh, you know authentic stuff. And sometimes it's not because it is current day right mm-hmm. like whatever they could find at their stores or whatever but it's all so fun yeah uh and you know, they as you know they do a dance <laughs> in that yep. scene and that's something i was really worried about because i've done this a lot with music videos and you're trying to get together and someone's off everybody was on it was so magical it was so amazing 
um, it was it was awesome. So now that the film is getting ready to come out in theaters tomorrow on World yes. Mental Health Day, and as you can sit back now and take a look at the experience, what did you learn about yourself as a filmmaker in make and storyteller in making what rhymes with reason? Um, I feel like I'm shown a lot of things uh, throughout this whole process. I'm shown that this film is not Kyle Roberts' plan <laughs> for this movie. Um, it's God's plan. Uh, and he's had a plan this whole time. Um, even that 10-10 date, we didn't even know that that was World Mental Health Day. <laughs> uh, Fathom Event asked us, you know, we had this film on the market for a week. Fathom Event asked us, they, they came to us and like, we'd love to release this on 10-10. How's that sound? We're like, good. The next day we had a call with 988, who's a big partner mm-hmm. of ours. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, and we told them about the 1010 date, and they're like, oh my gosh, that's the perfect day. And I was like, I know it's the perfect day, <laughs> but why don't you tell me why you think it's the perfect day? And they're like, it's World Mental Health Day. And so I was like, wow, that was, I feel like I'll get glimpses of this plan mm-hmm. here and there, even though it's, it really is just kind of a calling, you know, this whole time and trying to step up to that calling. And <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's emotional um, to just know that we're a part of something bigger that's encouraging hope in conversation. Mm-hmm. And that is exactly how you feel at the end of the film. You feel hopeful mm. you feel inspired. Um, I, I just think this is just so well done, Kyle. And it's so much fun. It's yeah, so much fun. Sometimes, you know, when we talk about this film, because it's so needed and we talk about mental health a lot, but yeah, how much we've crafted humor and this adventure mm-hmm. and everything else into it, that it is, it is fun for everybody. And when it's fun, people are more likely to pay attention to it. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, now that you have two films under your belt, feature films, are you going to do a third? Yeah, we have a whole slate of projects. We have two, two features in a series that we're working on right now. Well, Kyle, I cannot wait to see what you bring us next. Um, this is just a job so well done, and I can't encourage people enough to go see this film uh, tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Debbie, thank you. Kyle, tomorrow. We're it's, here. It's tomorrow. <laughs> Kyle, thank you so much, and I hope we get to chat again sooner rather than later. Absolutely. Thanks, Debbie. Thanks, Kyle. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Kyle William Roberts. What rhymes with reason in theaters tomorrow for World Mental Health Day? Desperation Road. You can see that now. Kick back on your couch and watch it. It really is good. And then order the book and read the book. So that is all the time we have. Of course, we ran over a little bit. Um, We'll be back next week. We have a writer, director, editor joining us next week on... A film with a serious subject matter to it. And uh, I don't know what else we're going to have for you. But uh, I'll work on that between now and then. So, until next week, I'm Debbie Elias. This is Behind the Lens.